and Lily. And you're listening to Just Quickly Things. Ah! <laughs> Remix. I had to I had to throw you off because I we had to change up the way we do our intro because we're not next to each other and I don't want to ruin the audio. But I thought I'd spice it up a little bit by scaring Lily in the making. That that definitely caught me off guard. I was all ready to do my woo. Well, hey boo things. Welcome back to Just Schooly Things. And we are your bootyful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. So Lily. Do you have any stories for us work-related that you'd like to share on the show today? So Bagel Boy has made a return. <gasps> yes. Yes. So quick recap. Um, he came in. I know his name, but we will just continue to call him Bagel Boy. But he was like, hey, like, I haven't seen you in a while. Where you been? And I told him, I was like, oh, I hurt my knee. So I was out for a week. Just like bed rest and it was a it was a very steamy conversation me telling him about my my knee injury you know he (laughs) said he said oh what did you do and I think he was expecting me to be like oh yeah like crossfit or something and I I was like I don't know I just stood up out of my chair and felt a pop so (laughs) and he was like oh well it's good to have you back and I'm like oh it's good to be back and like we introduced ourselves and then I kind of started panicking I was like okay you're good to go bye like Um, so that was, that happened last week and he didn't come in. Um, he usually comes in earlier in the week and like, we're recording on Wednesday right now and he didn't come in yesterday. He didn't come in the day before that. So I'm probably missing him today. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, again, I can't, nothing can really happen here. And so, it's just, you know, it's nice to see, you know, him every now and then. I haven't seen um, the woman who I'm convinced is an angel in a while. But again, I was out for a week. Mm-hmm. And um, both of these customers are, they're drive through customers. And they've had me on my other days, mostly in the front, in the lobby. Mm-hmm. So, of course, like, I'm not going to see drive through customers. Yeah. So, anyways, that's, that's that on that. Oh, I did have... Um, my favorite type of customer, which is a middle-aged man, because he stood there and told me how to do my job. We love it. Incorrectly, might I add. <laughs> uh, he stood there and he was like, yeah, I just want to want to transfer, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the way they usually do it, I'm like, I, I looked at him. I went, I know. I just go to your profile. I can, he was like, well, you know, if you want to do the withdrawal first, the deposit, it doesn't matter. I said, I can do it from your profile. He's like, yeah, they usually do it from my profile. Yeah, I just, I didn't know how you wanted to do it. I'm like, I know how to do it. That is some SDE, some small dick energy right there. Um, It's E-H-E, ex-husband energy, because <laughs> he was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, this is my ex-wife's account. I'm just, you know, but I'm like, okay, first of all, I didn't fucking ask. And second of all, no fucking wonder because you sit there and explain things I didn't ask you to explain to me. Literally, literally. She got out of the, she got out. Yeah, like she's got the leg up. (laughs) So that, that's the latest. I mean, nothing really super great. Um, But yeah, so like the return of Bagel Boy was 
moderately flirtatious. But again, I can't really outright hit on this guy. And I'm also not really interested in him. I'm just, I'm, I'm really invested in the story, to be honest. Exactly. That's, that's most, honestly, this is terrible. This is terrible. I'm really just in it to see if I get a bagel. <laughs> Instead of a sugar daddy, it's a bagel daddy. It's a bagel daddy. <laughs> I refuse to call him Bagel Daddy, though. That's not, we will refer to him as Bagel Boy. And I mean, I, again, I, I cannot stress this enough for the listeners who are intently listening, because I actually did get a couple of messages that were like, oh my God, like this is brilliant. Like this is great. I'm living for this. Again, there will not be a, like, any really further development between me just recapping brief exchanges in the drive-thru because there's not really any room for it. Also, there's not really, like, I just can't stress how much this is nothing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is entertaining. It is. It is. Now, speaking of entertainment, Lily, what are we going to talk about for this week's episode? This week, we are reading creepypastas. Yes. So do you care to explain to the listeners what a creepypasta is? So creepypasta, the phrase, and I think we've read a couple of these before, but just to kind of reiterate. So a creepypasta, the word comes from the phrase copypasta, which comes from copy and paste. Um, And basically they're just like internet stories, um, you know, rarely actually true events that are just spooky, kooky, kooky, and creepy. They could be about, you know, a close encounter with a serial killer. They could be about, you know, the boogeyman. They could be about anything. And there's a subreddit called Creepypasta. And those are the stories we're reading you today. This one is, you've probably, everyone who's like listening to this for the Creepypastas has probably either read or listened to or heard of this Creepypasta. And it's called the M Show Fan Club. Never heard of it. When I was nine years old, I had a favorite TV series. It had human actors and actors in animal suits and funny and educational clips in between. I don't want to name it because it was a really good show. And this story is not at all at a fault of the show. I will just call it the M Show. The M show was running for years, and I had been watching it for as long as I can remember. I always sat down straight after school with my older sister, Scarlett, and my best friend, Brandy, who lived next door. It was our ritual. Every day, the three of us sat together with sweats, with sweets, sorry, if our moms, (laughs) with sweets if our moms allowed it, or else with apples or grapes. And in the breaks of the show, we talked and gossiped about all those important issues of our lives. Then, I remember it was a warm summer Friday. Scarlett found a prize competition in one of her girl magazines. It asked questions about the show, and first prize was a travel with your parents to to Disney World. But even better, everybody who sent in the correct answers would become a member of the M Show Club, a fan club for the show. The same day, after watching the M Show, the three of us huddled together on the couch to answer the quiz. The questions were very hard. They asked details about old episodes of the show. Without Scarlett, Brandy and I would have never been able, would have never managed, sorry, to answer all the questions. 
Scarlett begged our mom for stamps and envelopes, and we filled the three envelopes each with a paper with our names and contact details and the answers to the questions. Scarlett even told us to vary our answers slightly so that we couldn't be called out for cheating, which, by the way, made me think of, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just change it up a little bit so the teacher doesn't know. (laughs) We really all had the same childhood. Facts. <laughs> the letters were sent off, and every day we all rushed to the mailbox to get our M Show fan club badges. When the when the first snow began to fall, we stopped checking the mailbox. Brandy was still passionate about the show, and we watched it every day. But Scarlett lost interest. When Scarlett stopped watching, I too began to skip the show. Brandy still came over, but she was the only one watching. I sat next to her while working my way through Scarlett's old girl magazines. It was early spring. I remember there were tulips in our garden, and my mom reprimanded me for plucking two to decorate the kitchen table. But right after her lecture, she handed me a small square letter with my name printed on it. The back said, welcome to the M Show fan club. There was not much in the envelope only a short leaflet that welcomed me to the club and a small ID card with my name on it, a big logo of the show and in black letters, the M show fan club. And in the line below in big black letters, the word member Brandy got her envelope the same day. She was glowing with happiness. Scarlett was jealous at first, but two days later she got her envelope too. From then on every Friday, each of us received a leaflet about the show with photos and anecdotes and background information on the characters. Occasionally the leaflets also called on the club members to promote the show and to watch out for the M show tour. Either way, it worked. We loved the show afterwards. I think from that day on, after I proudly stuffed the membership card in my bag, I didn't miss a single episode. Then in mid June, we all got two leaflets. The first was the usual one with facts and photos, but the second was an ad. The tour bus is in town. This is your chance to become an elite member. The bus was coming the next Sunday to our town. We were all allowed to go. We were beyond excited. The leaflet didn't have much information, and that was before we had a computer at home. The tour bus would arrive at 1 p.m., and the main characters of the show would be there to welcome everybody and play games with us. To those that participated in at least four games, we would be upgraded to elite member status and receive a new golden membership card. Those nine days of waiting for, quote, the M Show Tour were one of the, some of the longest of my life. Brandy and Scarlett and I planned every day how we would take photos with each of the characters and then play games with them. I secretly dreamt of beating Scarlet at the knowledge game, where our knowledge about the show would be tested. On Saturday, Scarlet went to a birthday sleepover at one of her friend's houses. The parents were supposed to bring Scarlet back by 12 on Sunday. Around 12.30, Brandy came running to our house. She knocked on the back door, like she always did, and I let her in. Brandy was beyond excited. Her mom had volunteered to accompany the three of us, and she wanted to go early so that we wouldn't miss anything. My mom called the house of Scarlett's friend, but they didn't pick up their phone. She said that Scarlett would be home soon, early enough to go on time. At 12.45, Brandy's mother came over to ask for us. She said that we would have to leave so that the queues wouldn't be too long. My mom said we should wait for Scarlett, but Brandy threw a tantrum. She was scared that she wouldn't be able to hug all the characters if we came late. 
Brandy's mom decided to drive. I wanted to come along, but my mother said that she would drive Scarlett and me. I felt like I was being punished for Scarlett being late. I begged. I cried. Nothing helped, and Brandy went alone. Her friend's parents dropped Scarlett off at 1.40. Sorry, I had to do math because that was the military time. <laughs> so they dropped Scarlett off at 1.40. I was mad at her, but my mom said if I made a scene, we wouldn't go at all. I relented. We arrived around 20 minutes later at the big parking lot where the bus was scheduled to stop. We saw the crowds from the distance, parked the car, and walked over. I asked my mom where the characters from the show were. She said that they were just behind the crowd. They all held the M show tour flyers, but it looked as if the crowd were mostly parents. They stood in a half circle towards the edge of the parking lot. Some of them looked concerned, but most of them were laughing and talking. My mom spotted Brandy's mother at the other end of the half circle. We walked over to her. Brandy's mother was one of the worried ones. She told us that the bus had been there together with all the animal figures from the M show. They had a large bus with the M show logo and they handed out sweets. One of the animal figures had explained to the parents that they had built a set outside of town where we all could make our own short film with the characters of the show. They said they would drive everybody there. They took the children first. They were all so excited that a few parents objected, but a few parents objected. Still, three or four parents came along, and that calmed the rest. The next bus was supposed to arrive within a few minutes to bring everyone to the set. When I heard that, I was excited like never before. I ran to the street to look around so I could be the first on the bus. Scarlett followed me. I didn't see the worried expression when Brandy's mother talked to mine. I didn't understand why the police came not even an hour later. In Monday's episode of The M Show, one of the characters came on stage and told us to call our parents to watch the show. Our mom was already sitting with Scarlett and me. The character said that The M Show didn't have a fan club. That week, Brandy's parents cried a lot. I was still sure that Brandy was okay. I thought she just had so much fun that she didn't want to come back. She must have had a lot of fun. She never came back. Brandy's mother cried even more that Friday when the small parcel arrived. There was the M Show fan club membership card for Brandy. It was golden and said elite member in big, bold letters. The parcel also contained a video. It was only a minute long, a minute of Brandy at the set of the M Show. She was wearing the same dress as when she came over to our house that Sunday morning. On the video, Brandy was smiling. An actor in a big animal suit stood next to her silently. Hi, Mom. I really like it here, said Brandy. I really wish you could be here. Then she laughed. I'm sorry the other's late. I'm sure they would have loved it too. The end. What? So, I'm confused. So, what happened? Like, she's just stuck there with these animal things? That's the creepypasta. So, basically, I think the bottom line here is that she got kidnapped. Because this is... The show, the official show they watched said, we don't have a fan club. Oh my God, well, if there is no fan club, who were the people in the animal suits? <gasps> Why were the cops there? Oh my- Why did the other bus never come? That is actually horrifying. <laughs> right? How fucking terrifying is that? But 
They made it to a studio that they had set up to look like the show, filmed the daughter, and she never came home. That is scary. And that's the last time they've seen their daughter. Oh! (laughs) Rebecca's screaming right now, guys. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. That's yeah, so, so that was the first one I ever listened to. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of into it. Yeah, okay. I can see how people can get really sucked down the rabbit hole with these. Yeah. Okay, so this was actually the first creepypasta that I read. And that was to, to do this episode. And I feel like this could be real. This could be a real encounter. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, so this is titled... I accidentally created an alternate reality game. Like many people, I made the mistake of downloading TikTok during quarantine. I tried tried to resist reminding myself that as a 25-year-old professional woman, there was no reason for me to be using, never mind posting, on a children's app. I I hit my breaking point when I lost my job in August. There was no longer a reason for me to leave the house, and I lost any social interaction I had when I was working. I don't have family in the area nor friends as I had only moved here a few weeks before the pandemic began and I live alone. I guess I was the perfect target for an app like this. I was someone with a lot of time to kill. I swore that I'd only check out a few videos when I first downloaded the app. As I'm sure you know, that didn't happen. You can spend (laughs) hours getting lost in your For You page as the algorithm learns which pieces of endless content you prefer to consume. I had nothing better to do, so I allowed myself to fall deeper and deeper into the hole of dances, makeup videos, jokes, and cute animals. Then I swore I would only watch videos and never post one. I'm sure you can guess how that went too. (laughs) Eventually, I realized I was spending more time watching other people do things and not enough time doing things for myself. I decided if I was going to waste so much time on this app anyways, I may as well make content. It was hard to get myself to cook if I wasn't filming it to post on my page, so I let myself make recipes and review them, posting a quick clip for my five or so followers on what I thought of the uh, the feta pasta, assorted air fryer recipes, and so on. Even my exercise routine became controlled by TikTok. I couldn't get myself to lift weights or go to the gym, but I knew I had to move my body somehow. As cringy as it is, I started making dance videos. I think a lot of people don't realize how much effort goes into learning the more complicated dances, and especially for someone as uncoordinated as myself, they were quite the workout. When I finally got the moves down, I'd post the videos, more for the accomplishment of learning it than anything else. They only got around 10 to 30 views per video. I wasn't very good. The first time I broke 100 likes, the excitement was, shamefully, incredible. There's something wildly thrilling about seeing your video bring in likes and views, knowing it reached so many people. Once I had that feeling, I knew I needed more. I started putting on multiple videos per day in hopes that one of them would catch. A few times, I'd get into the hundreds of likes, but even on those, I'd get a few negative comments about my appearance, critiques on my dancing, or vegan shaming me for cooking chicken. Nevertheless, I continued (laughs) choosing to not just read the comments as I kept posting. Sure enough, some dumb dance I did to a catchy song from 2010 made it to the For You page of hundreds of thousands of users. It started off slower, but once something catches on, it burns through the app like wildfire. As the likes came in, so did the comments. I tried my best to ignore them, but every now and then I'd see things like, girl, this ain't it. Aren't you a little old for this app? And my personal favorite, it's a lack of awareness for me. I honestly just gave up reading them and decided to post, uh, hold on posting for the rest of the night while this went viral. 
The next day I was still racking in likes and views and figured I'd post another dance video while this one was doing so well in case people decided to, uh, to peruse my page. Peruse my page. It sounds so stupid now, but I really like this attention. There's something addicting about knowing so many people are seeing you. I posted the next one and it didn't take long before it started blowing up, just like the previous one. But then it kept going. It gained more views and comments in an hour than the other video had in a day. I started getting hundreds of DMs and the comments started saying things like, are you okay? Wear pink in the next video if you're in danger. Am I the only one who sees him? When I read the last one, my heart sank. Him? Who are they talking about? I lived alone and it wasn't like I had any contact with the outside world. I sat down to watch the video again, thinking maybe they were seeing a shadow or a photo on my wall. I must have played the video 10 times before I took to the comments to get some help. I couldn't see whatever it was my viewers were. I, it took reading through a few comment chains where others had asked for someone to point out what it was that people were seeing before I found someone who said they had made my video to point, uh, that they had made my video to point it out. I clicked on the person's account and it was small, but it had existed beforehand. They appeared to be a normal person. I clicked on their first explanation video, which was one focusing on my first viral post. The girl in the video looked younger than myself and she sat through the beginning of my video before playing the end back very slowly. She zoomed in on the window behind me, which was pretty dark as I had filmed at night. As she played the slowed down version, it became clear as day. For a split second, while I was busy dancing in my living room, someone passed by my window. This in, itself, this in itself wouldn't be concerning except for two things. The first being that as they, a man walked by, they slammed their hand on the glass, dragging their palms slowly across my window as they moved by. The second, which other internet sleuths had deduced from seeing my other videos and the view outside my window, was that I lived on the fourth floor of an apartment building. There was no way anyone should be walking by my window. Holy shit. Another that reminds me of your Salem story. Right? I thought the handprint. <laughs> they had another video posted after this one. It covered my second viral post. I really didn't want to watch it, but I knew I had to. I clicked on it and watched the video, the window attentively as she let the video play through once at normal speed. To my relief, I saw nothing. The girl in the video started to explain that this new video was different, that the viewer shouldn't be focusing on the window, but instead on the fireplace behind me. She again slowed down the video and zoomed in, this time revealing as that as I was dancing, a pair of large feet dropped as though they belonged to Santa coming down the chimney. The feet stood there. And as I watched as the person began to crouch, reaching a hand around the top edge of my fireplace before abruptly jumping back up out of view as I ended my dance. I watched the next, no. video. <laughs> I watched the next video the girl had on me. And to my shock, she discussed my videos rather casually. She talked about theories and when she thought I would be posting next. As I read the comments, most of them were opposing the theory that this was all fake. They thought I was creating an alternate reality game, as so many others have done on TikTok. I went back to my video and continued reading the comments. This is so cool. Can't wait for part three. I wonder how she staged that hand thing. Has anyone checked her old videos? I think I see a face in her mirror in her feta pasta video. They thought it was a game. They were playing along. Someone is in my apartment. No, something is in my apartment, and the internet thinks I'm making it up. I decided to wear a pink shirt for my next video. After all, it may be the only way to keep them watching my videos, keeping them viral, just may make the difference in my survival. The end. Holy shit. I no way. I, I'm hoping this isn't real. Because if this is real, I'm looking at my huge closet right now, hoping there's no one in there. Oh my God, something's going to pop out of me. All right, Lily, what is your last story? The Portraits, a.k.a. The Cabin in the Woods. That's what this one is. So, okay. 
There was a hunter in the woods who, after a long day hunting, was in the middle of an immense forest. It was getting dark, and having lost his bearings, he decided to head in one direction until he was clear of the increasingly oppressive foliage. After what seemed like hours, he came across a cabin in a small clearing. Realizing how dark it had grown, he decided to see if he could stay there for the night. He approached and found the door ajar. Nobody was inside. The hunter flopped down on a single bed, deciding to explain himself to the owner in the morning. As he looked around, he was surprised to see the walls adorned by many portraits, all painted in incredible detail. Without exception, they appeared to be staring down at him, their features twisted into looks of hatred. Staring back, he grew increasingly uncomfortable, making a concerted effort to ignore the many hateful faces. He, re- he turned to face the wall, and exhausted, he fell into a restless sleep. Face down in an unfamiliar bed, he turned blinking in an un- in unexpected sunlight. Looking up, he discovered that the cabin had no portraits, only windows. Wait. You, like, froze for a second. I couldn't hear you. Did you say something in the end? I see you, like, looking at me. No, the windows are the end. No, like, I didn't hear the window part. Where did it cut off? Like, it cut off... Go back, like, two lines, two or three lines. Because I'm not sure if you 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 stopped. Like, because I heard you, and then, like, it was, like, in the middle of a sentence, and then you stopped. Okay. Um, I'll huh. go back. Let's just redo it again, because it was just... It was weird. Like, you kept kind of cutting in and out. That's why I was confused. Okay, here. Let me... You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn my Wi-Fi off. Here we go. Maybe if I go on data, it'll work better. All right. I'm going to have you start from the title again. I'm sorry, Lily. It's okay. Luckily, this one is short. Yeah. Okay. We're going to start in three, two, one. So this one is called The Portraits, a.k.a. The Cabin in the Woods. There was a hunter in the woods who, after a day hunting, was in the middle of an immense forest. It was getting dark, and having lost his bearings, he decided to head in one direction, one direction, uh, (laughs) until he was clear of the increasingly oppressive foliage. After what seemed like hours, he came across a cabin in a small clearing. Realizing how dark it had grown, he decided to see if he could stay there for the night. He approached and found the door ajar. Nobody was inside. The hunter flopped down on the single bed, deciding to explain himself to the owner in the morning. As he looked around, he was surprised to see the walls adorned by many portraits, all painted in incredible detail. Without exception, they appeared to be staring down at him, their features twisted into looks of hatred. Staring back, he grew increasingly uncomfortable, making a concerted effort to ignore the many hateful faces. He turned to face the wall, And exhausted, he fell into a restless sleep. Face down in an unfamiliar bed, he turned, blinking in unexpected sunlight. Looking up, he discovered that the cabin had no portraits, only windows. Oh, no! What were those things looking at him? Yeah. (laughs) That is horrifying. So my last story for today is titled The MBTA Tunnel Incident of 1997. You've never heard of the MBTA Tunnel Incident of 1997. Few people have. 
The sparse news coverage that it received meant that it never made its way into mainstream consciousness and eventually was largely dismissed as a local legend, a hoax, or a case of mass hysteria. I can attest the validity of the story, though, as I was on the train that stalled in the Harvard Tunnel that summer, that September afternoon. Affectionately known as the T, the MBTA is the public transit system of Boston and the surrounding metro area. Five of the subway stations are located in Cambridge, the busiest Harvard station opened in 1912 and was rebuilt in 1985. The segment of the original 1912 platform remains, sitting in shadows, visible to passengers in the event of a stall or a slowdown between the current Harvard and Central stations. I was on my way home from school on September 22nd, 1997. Although I lived in Cambridge, I attended a private school in Boston and, as I did every day, had boarded the outbound Red Line train and downtown crossing. It began as one of those nice, smooth rides with few to no slowdowns, so the train was able to gain some incredible speed between stations. I'd be home in time for dinner, no doubt about it. The more speed we gained, the more the train rocked from side to side, and the louder it became, as though 10,000 metal cookie sheets were being buffeted in the wind. This cacophony is a testament to the MBTA's old tunnels and trains that were built before streamlining became a thing. As we neared the infamously squealy curve in the, in the tunnel that heralds the entry to Harvard, the train made a loud hiss, and I sighed. That sound meant the emergency brake had been pulled, so much for making a great time. The train, slowly rap the train slowed rapidly, and my fellow passengers and I were jerked rudely to the side as it came to a complete stop within about eight seconds. Mm. Please don't let it be a disabled train or a signal problem, I thought to myself. I was already annoyed, and those problems almost certainly meant a wait of no less than 10 minutes. I glanced around. Most people had their noses buried in books or crossword puzzles. Either I was the only one pissed by our current situation, or I was the only one who showed it. About a, about a minute into the intercom crackled to life, and a very bored-sounding conductor provided us with an update. <laughs> I can just picture that so well. Yeah, right? Attention all passengers. Sorry for the delay. There's been a disabled train ahead of us, but maintenance crews are en route. Once again, there is a disabled train in the tunnel ahead of us. We hope to be moving shortly. Click. I resigned myself to my fate and figured that since there was nothing I could do about it, I may as well make the best of it. I turned around in my seat to gaze out the window into the darkened tunnel and was pleasantly surprised to see what, where we had stopped right next to the original Harvard platform. It wasn't often that I got the chance to see it, and there was no telling how long we were going to be there, so I cupped my hands against the window to try to get a better look. It was a spooky old station, very small. When I was little, my sister loved telling me that all the tunnels, and especially the abandoned Harvard station, were haunted by the ghosts of workers who had died during construction. I believed it at the time, as I was very young and quite impressionable, and I'd refused to peek out of the train windows as we traveled through the darkness. At 15, though, I knew better and was able to differentiate between facts and lies told by an older sibling. The station could be a nightmare fodder, sure, especially with its old black door leading to who knows where, but there were no signs of ghosts, and the position I was in was starting to strain my back and hurt my knees. I sighed and turned back around, plopping my butt back down into the black leather seat. <laughs> Leaning forward, I unzipped my backpack and pulled out a beat-up green folder, fully intending to get a start on my math homework so I'd have less to do later during the prime TV hours. The train car was about one-third full, as I had left school late that day, and my usual loud and obnoxious teenage companions had thankfully been replaced by sleepy men and women in business suits. I was about halfway done with my algebra when the engine cut out and the lights went along with it. I let my head flop back against the hard plastic wall of the, of the car. Great. I couldn't even get my homework out of the way. With the train completely silent, 
I could hear annoyed whispers from my fellow passengers. It was good to know that I was no longer alone in my sour mood. The engine started back up. <laughs> so this feels like New York vibes, to be honest. But I know. I was just thinking that. Anyway. Thank you. Okay. So the engine started back up again a minute later and the lights flickered on. So I resumed floppily penciling and answers on the worksheet that lay in front of me. The internet calm cackled to life. Again, sorry for the delay, folks. Maintenance crews are working on a disabled train ahead of us. Hopefully, we'll be underway shortly. Despite his assurances, I had a gut feeling that we were in this for the long haul. I have a sort of sixth sense about these things. Comes from having been stuck on too many train tunnels. Too annoyed to focus on my homework any longer, I crammed it back in my bag and then slouched down as far as I could in my seat, knees spread wide. I'm sure I looked like an absolute prick, but I didn't care. (laughs) I had just about drifted off to sleep when I heard a woman's concerned voice. What's that? Opening my eyes, I met the gaze of the tidy businesswoman seated across from me. I'll refer to her as pencil skirt from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm? I asked, dumbly glancing from side to side, not entirely sure if it was even me she was addressing. That? What's that? She repeated, pointing to the window behind me. I twisted my neck to look around. There was a tiny glowing orb floating outside the car, about a foot away from the window. It reminded me of a very large firefly maybe about a centimeter in diameter. I had no idea what it was, though it didn't concern me. I figured it was probably some sort of laser pointer maybe aimed down the tunnel at us by one of the maintenance guys working on this disabled train. Yeah, that made sense, I guess. The way it moved is strange, though. The way it would sort of hover and then flit away quickly as a hummingbird. The feeling of mild unease overcame me, and I straightened in my seat, determined to put the weird little ball of light out of my mind. Probably just some sort of beacon or maintenance equipment, I told Pencil Skirt, hoping that if I put her mind at ease, she'd settle down and stop spreading her anxiety. (laughs) Another 10 minutes passed, another announcement from the conductor, another collective group of sighs and irritated mutters from passengers. I picked noisily at my fingernails, looking down intently at them so I wouldn't have to keep looking at Pencil Skirt. The glowing orb was out of sight and therefore out of mind as far as I was concerned, but I knew that a look into the woman's eyes would tell me exactly what I didn't want to know. The little light was still bobbing outside the window behind me. I contemplated pulling out my Walkman and just getting lost in the music zone, but I was too on edge to even consider the infuriating task of digging my headphones out from the very bottom of my backpack. I would surely lose at least one of the foam ear pads in the process, and I'd likely have a tightly knotted cord to contend with as well. Wow. If this doesn't date this story back, I don't know what does. <laughs> I love that. You, you know what else I was thinking too is like how we were talking earlier, like to revisit how you were saying it gave you New York vibes is to sum it up in New York, people get on the train pissed off. In Boston, people hold in their wrath until they're mildly inconvenienced and then release it. That is very accurate, Lily. That is so. Very- Also, what I like about the story is I was picturing that orb like a hummingbird. And then she said like a hummingbird. And I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. So, yeah, 1990s headphones, bleh. I really wanted my music, though. What in the hell? My head snapped up at the exclamation from a man at the other end of the car. You guys see this? He stood up and approached the doors, peering through the windows. I twisted in my seat again, hesitantly, not wanting to look out the window, but feeling as though I had no other choice. There were four orbs this time. One was pink, another a light green. The other two were white, just like the first one. They floated over the car and hovered directly outside. I felt nauseous. I just want to go home. 
A crowd slowly gathered on my side of the train as 30 or so curious people pressed their faces to the glass, enamored by the glowing balls of light. The door. Yo, yo, they're coming through the door, a large man suddenly exclaimed, jabbing his finger hard against the glass. I trained my eyes on the creepy black painted door as about a dozen or more orbs emerged from it as though they just popped through the metal like bubbles. They hovered and bobbed and flitted and everyone on the train was transfixed by their dance. More orbs and purples and blues and yellows and oranges floated upward from the concrete platform of the station. The intercom cackled to life. Attention passengers, please step away from the windows and return to your seats. We should be moving shortly. The other passengers reluctantly returned to their seats and I heaved a nervous sigh as I reclaimed my personal space. Just then a droplet of warm blood fell from my nose and landed on my white shirt collar, staining in a dark crimson. Startled, I held a hand to my face as I struggled to open my backpack single-handedly. I had some tissues in there somewhere. With my luck, a little plastic package with them was at the very bottom of the bag, keeping my Walkman company. So it took quite a bit of rummaging before I located it. The blood was leaking down my chin at that point, so I hastily rubbed I hastily ripped up one of my tissues free, wadded it up into a tiny tampon and shoved it up my left nostril. Then my right nostril began to bleed. Shit, a double nostril bleed. That was unusual. I yanked another tissue free from the package and performed the same ritual for the right side. There was a tap on my shoulder. I looked up, it was pencil skirt. Her white blouse was stained with blood and for the briefest of moments, I wondered how I could have possibly got all my blood all over her before I realized that the red stuff was coming from her own nose. I handed her several tissues. What's happening? A shrill woman yelled from the opposite end of the car as she simultaneously staunched the blood flow from her nose and tended to her boyfriend who seemed to have vomited on the floor and then fainted. Several minutes of utter panic ensued with roughly half the passengers bleeding profusely, several passed out and more than a handful in absolute hysterics. Oh, no, no, no. Blessedly, the train finally lurched forward, catching several people off guard and sending them to the floor. And I watched as the little glowing orbs faded into the distance. We crawled into the Harvard station and were greeted by a plethora of cops, EMTs, and firefighters who boarded the train immediately and began assisting people off. I stepped onto the platform and immediately spun myself around so I could view the train as I backstepped away from it. The car I had been in, and that only car, was covered from top to bottom, side to side, in graffiti. No not graffiti. Words had been burned into the metal. I don't know what language they were, but they weren't English. An EMT approached me and sat me down on one of the benches, and I was in a daze. I felt foggy, and the woman's gentle words sounded like they were coming out of a tin can. I insisted that I didn't want to go to the hospital, so she asked for my phone number so that the police officer standing nearby can get in touch with my parents. I don't remember much more from that evening. In total, nine people were transported to the hospital, including vomit and faint guy, and two who exhibited the most severe neurological symptoms received CT scans, which came back negative for any abnormalities. Harvard Station was shut down for two days while an investigation was launched, but no more orbs materialized, and ultimately, our ideal was deemed a case of mass hysteria. The train car in question was disconnected at the depot, inspected, and photographed by the police and various agencies. It lived in a storage for several years before being auctioned for scrap metal in 2005. As years went by, more and more people began to cast doubt on the story, and it was eventually dismissed as nothing more than just a prank. I stayed in touch with several of the other passengers, including Pencil Skirt, and we will never, ever accept that what we witnessed was anything less than real. So if you're ever riding the T and you stall in the tunnel, you better pray to God, or whatever God you believe in, that you don't get stuck right before the squealy curve next to the old platform station. And then this person put an update. So today, 
Well, on one of my days off, I decided to hop on the T, safely of course, for the first time in a year to try to get the footage of the old 1912 platform. My footage was crappy, but I managed to get some footage of one of the other abandoned platforms that is visible from the inbound track. This footage was also crappy, but just a tad more usable than the 1912 platform footage. Upon viewing the footage this evening, however, I noticed that what looks like a pale, wispy, ghostly shape moving across the screen from left to right. It can't be a window reflection because I purposely pressed my phone directly to the window to eliminate any reflection. I uploaded the video to YouTube. Timestamp is roughly 31 seconds to 33 seconds. I hope it's okay for me to post the link here. If not, I apologize. And so I clicked on the link and mm -hmm. there's the video. So I'm going to be posting the video so that you guys can watch it yourself on our private Facebook group page. You can go join our private Facebook group at Just Coolie Things Podcast Group. And yeah, that is the end of my MBTA tunnel incident story of 1997. Holy shit. All right, Boo Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Do you want to shout out our socials? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Just Coolie Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Coolie Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Coolie Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon. Which we wanted to give a shout out to our patron. That's what you call them, right? Yeah, Patreon donors. Yeah, Patreon donors. Oh. Right, yeah. Evan at ES Kern on Instagram. Everybody go follow him. He's also a creator. He's a writer. So go give him a follow. Our Patreon is Just Ghoulie Things Podcast. And we have some good stuff coming. I know I said that last week, but like we we do. It's just, it's coming. You got to be patient. We got to edit everything. It's a process, guys. It's a whole thing. You can buy our merch at... tpublic.com. You search Just Ghoulie Things Podcast or rebeccaruper.com slash shop. Mm -hmm. If you or someone you know has a paranormal experience you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at just coolythingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye.